Um, Father, I just pray you'd be with us this morning. Um, you know, each and every one of us inside out, you know, the challenges that we face, you know, that who we are. And Father, we just pray that we'd find who you are and um, come to a new place of trust and rest in you, Lord, in an ever-changing world and environment that moves at such a rapid pace. May we find you to be an anchor, a foundation, uh, a refuge in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're kind of starting this new series, which is a bit of a, a challenging one, if I'm, I'm completely honest. It's, 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 pretty, it's pretty cray-cray, but the world we live in is literally moving, well, at 50,000 odd miles an hour. But um, <laughs> the, the way things change is, is just, in, in, just absolutely crazy. So for four weeks, we're going to be doing a series called Artificial Intelligence. Um, we're going to be looking at a number of different things. We're going to be looking at literally artificial intelligence, but also going to be looking at the different angle on it. So, for example, artificial means false, fake, created. So, um, we're going to look at one week, we're going to look at some of the dangers of false wisdom that we put our trust in, which is damaging to us and to society. We're going to be looking at technology, how that's moving, how that's going to change the world we live in, and how it shapes us, and how we're being shaped by culture and our particular views, and also what God has to say on all of the above. So we're starting off um, with AI within our context and our culture isn't really, is starting to be talked about more and more through media and through films. It's been talked about through films for a number, a number of years now through science fiction. And um, most people are like, oh, but that's just totally science fiction. And that is, but we have to remember, Wi-Fi was sci-fi not so long ago. <laughs> and it's now very real and it's a part of what... People won't go to places if there's not a Wi-Fi connection. Like, I'm not staying in that hotel. They don't have Wi-Fi. If we go to somewhere there's not Wi-Fi, we freak out. We don't know how to act. We don't know what to do. And Wi-Fi was sci-fi in, in our lifetime. Not even like going way back. In our lifetime, Wi-Fi was sci-fi and it's real. Artificial intelligence is talked about in a manner that it is... Um, it is um, science fiction, and it is and it isn't. Currently, artificial intelligence is already changing. It's causing a huge shift, like the Industrial Revolution. Machines came in in factories and took away tons and tons of jobs. Artificial intelligence is at a place now where the shift is going to change um, what jobs you can go for, what jobs you'll be able to do. Loads and loads of jobs are going to be automated within law firms, within doctors, um, within the NHS, within so many different levels where... and. And pretty much in every area, even in call centers, if you think not so long ago when you phoned up um, an organization that you were like a phone contract with, you'd phone them up to make a complaint and you'd go through this process of pressing button after button and what seemed like the ultimate never-ending story and you'd get so frustrated on the phone, you're like, I want to speak to a real friggin' human being, like what is wrong with this? And it got so frustrating. Nowadays, we all do it. And it's not that we've just become used to it, but the system has become better. You say something verbally and it filters you straight through and actions on what you say. Now, with companies like Google doing what they do, which has just changed everything, like nowadays no one bothers remembering any information, we just Google it. You encounter a problem with your computer that doesn't work, you Google how to fix it. Um, you don't even retain the information of how to fix it because you don't need to. You know, you can always Google it again and fix it another time the same way. So less and less we remember stuff and how we rely on things changes. Now we Google all different types of things and as we Google all these different kinds of things, Google is storing all that information. Um, and as it stores all that information, what happens is you and I will search for something else, but Google knows all this information about you. So when you search for something, it's also taking into account the things you've searched for before and how you've described them, how you've done them, and then it intelligently 
suggests to you various different answers at the top and the side and adverts that are appropriate because they're building this up and it's not going to be long before you're on your phone to phone up to complain to Vodafone or 3G or whoever you're with and you've got a complaint because your data's not working. It's not going to be long that you're going to be phoning up and before you even get through to the person you're getting through to to talk about it, they'll be talking to you about, oh, is it an issue with your data? What, what do you mean it's an issue with my data? Well, we've noticed that the way you use your data on your phone is normally it, it, within these confounds, and you normally use this much within this time frame, but I can see that it's not happening. We'll get on that straight away for you. They're going to be solving problems for you sometimes before you even know the problem comes, and they'll be solving problems for you even as you're making it, which is what Google has made their top priority over the last few years of serendipity. They want you to find from them what you don't even know that you're looking for before you even know that you want to look for it. So that down the side, you'll always find these different things and they want to get that to you. Now, Google bought a company in the UK for 400 million pounds called DeepMind. DeepMind is probably one of the leading works on artificial intelligence in the world. And um, one of its co-founders was a guy called um, Elon Musk who started PayPal, SpaceX, and loads of other big companies like Telsa Motors, all this kind of stuff. And Eli, Elon Musk had this to say about... Um, artificial intelligence. He said, the process, the progress of artificial intelligence is incredibly fast. Unless you have direct exposure to groups like DeepMind, you have no idea how fast. It is close to exponential. The risk of something extremely dangerous happening is in the five-year time frame, 10 years at most. This is not a case of crying wolf about something I don't understand. I'm not alone in thinking we should be worried. The leading AI companies have taken great steps in safety. They recognize the danger, but believe that they can shape and control the di digital superintelligences and prevent bad ones from escaping into the internet. That remains to be seen. The reason that's worrying is because he was one of the investors in DeepMind. So he's seen everything that's going on and the level it's working on. Now they've started off with DeepMind working on computer games like Space Invader so that it controls the turret and it gets set the challenge of just scoring the highest physical score possible. And as it goes, it learns and it learns and it learns. And then before long, it's not getting shot at all. It's hitting everything going and the bonus ones and it's not missing any shots of anything. And after an amount of time, it, it just achieves that and it just smashes that out of the park. They're looking at ways that they can put this onto different kinds of um, challenges and solve real issues that we're really worried about. Now the reason this kind of stuff matters and the reason why Elon Musk is concerned about this is the same reason that all of us are concerned about this. We've all seen Terminator. Um, most of us have gone to see the Avengers Age of Ultron recently and if you're like me, in the back of your mind you're going like, please don't develop AI, Thor isn't real, the Hulk isn't real, Captain America isn't real, Iron Man isn't real, Black Widow isn't real, Hawkeye isn't real, but this AI, Ultron, you might create him. So how about those guys aren't real to save the day? Let's not create the bad guy. Let's leave that over there. And we think like, okay, well, that's just sci-fi. That's just science fiction. But actually, guys, um, like one of the smartest minds on the earth at this time for us, um, Professor Stephen Hawking, even he is talking currently about the scares and the fears he has for artificial intelligence and what it can do. Now, what is all the fuss about and why are we in the place that we're in? Even though we know these overwhelming dangers and so much so that companies like DeepMind have cut off all points of internet access to anything relating to the project they're working on so that there can be no connection of it going and evolving and doing its own thing. So there is a real fear and a real danger that these sorts of things can take place. So 
why are we in this place? Well, I think there's been a huge transition when we look at history and we look at ourselves and how we have changed as a, a people. If we look not even too far back to even my father's generation, where we would have had a generation which, I guess, had their trust solely in the entity and the idea and the notion of God. And even in my dad's lifetime, the shift that we've taken, where we moved from this angle of kind of believing in some sort of deity as a majority in Europe. Europe is still the only continent in, in the world where um, Christianity isn't growing. Every other continent is growing. So it's really just a Western kind of issue. So it's a Europe issue. But we've taken this huge shift of trusting, believing, resting in God. And we took the shift through popular atheism to a place where we trusted in ourselves. And we put ourselves in God's place. Now the problem that we have with this is that all the issues we had with God were mainly issues of suffering. So we were talking about the issue of suffering, like, okay, well, um, if a loving God exists, so it's always a loving God. So if we believe that God is love, like John says, and there's suffering in the world that the way there is, how can you believe in a loving God? So we have these issues of suffering. We look at the world around us, and we see the issues of poverty. We see the sicknesses and the disease, and we put the question mark over God. We then shifted away from God to believing in ourselves. The problem is the question mark didn't move. We're still left in a place where all the question marks we had previously still exist where we still have issues of suffering, we still have issues of poverty, we have issues around all these different types of things. So then we start to look at, which is where my next quote um, steps in, which is from one of the other, the, the, well, the founder of um, the DeepMind project. So a guy called Demis Hasibis, who founded and, and works on the DeepMind project, he says this, which is where we've come to this shift and this change and this need. There's a lot of misunderstanding and unsubstantiated hype from people who are smart in their own domains but don't work on AI. We're going to need artificial assistance to make through the breakthroughs society wants. Climate change, economics, disease, they're tremendously complicated interacting systems. It's hard for humans to analyze all the data and make sense of it. And we might have to confront the possibility that there's a limit to what human experts might understand. AI-assisted science will help the discovery process. How do you think climate is going to be solved? Why don't we have personal genomics yet? Why haven't we solved cancer, Alzheimer's? Adding just more humans can't solve it. I even argue this with Elon. He, if he really wants to live on Mars, which is something he's set as a target, it's going to require something like AI. AI, if done properly, will realize human potential. So we started off in a position of realizing our own fragile state, our own inadequacy, and we placed our trust in a deity or in God, regardless of which religious sphere or background you go with. We didn't like the idea of he disciplines those he loves. We didn't like the notion of a, of a father, even though when each of us becomes parents, we take on the role of a father and we discipline those we love but we don't like it being done to us. So we shifted away. We placed ourselves as God. We realized all the issues that were overarching and still hanging in the air were still left there. Even though, if we're to look back and we look at the, the economics and all the different kinds of attitudes here, and we can see through ancient scriptures, all of those different issues are talked about and brought to some sorts of closure in the fact that Jesus says that when he comes back, there'll be no more sickness, no more death, no more suffering, no more tears. All these things will pass away. Behold, I'll make all things new. And we trusted in him to that. We've moved away from trusting him. We've moved away to trusting ourselves. Ourselves are not adequate. 
and we now realize that actually the only way we can fulfill human potential is to look outside ourselves and instead of looking back to the place of trust which we know and we can see can bring about these changes because Jesus talked about a different way of doing kingdom, a different way of doing sovereignty, transitioning from empire to the kingdom of God that he spoke about. Instead of positioning ourselves and moving that direction, we're taking a shift away and we're creating and trusting in something called AI. AI, if done properly, will realize human potential. And this brings up all sorts of questions and all sorts of challenges moving forward and all sorts of dangers which actually could destroy everything we've ever known. And we're not alone in thinking that, and we're not even alone in thinking that in Scythebri. If we're to go back to the oldest scriptures available to us, which is not actually Genesis. The book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. And there's the discussion over wisdom when faced with suffering, which is the reason that AI is, is wanted and needed. And so we go to Job 32, and we'll start in the middle of the discussion with a young man called Elihu, the son of Barashel. I am young in years, and you are aged. Therefore, I was timid and afraid to declare my opinion to you. I said, let days speak, and many years teach wisdom. But it is, the, in the, it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. So God is our source. It is not the old who are wise, nor the aged who understand what is right. Therefore, I say, listen to me. Let me also declare my opinion. Behold, I waited for your words. I listened for your wise sayings while you searched out what to say. I gave you my attention, and behold, there was none among you who refuted Job and his issues of suffering or answered his words. Beware, lest you say, we have found wisdom. God may vanquish him, not man. So this dude here is hearing Job's issue of suffering. He's hearing the crisis that's in society. He's hearing the bigger picture of how do you deal with this. So the first book in the Bible is all about where do we place suffering? We have these ideas and these beliefs in various different deities, but where do we place suffering? And so they're having this huge ethical conversation all the way through, and they're talking about wisdom. They're going, well, wisdom, it's all about wisdom. It's all about intelligence. Intelligence solves these issues. But this guy here just drops this bomb saying, beware, guys, lest you say we have found wisdom, that we have found intelligence. God may vanquish him, not man. It talks about in different translations of God will rout him, like God will disperse them away. And if I look at, at, at this passage, I think it says one thing. It talks about being timid. And timidity and being afraid and being concerned sometimes causes us not to speak. And though we are but few, I think this is an issue that's facing our society on a mass scale. And strangely enough, although we're like probably one of the smaller churches in England, I think we're kind of grappling with one of the biggest dangers that faces our society. And I think it's something that we need to be kind of vocal about because at the moment, all this is happening and nothing scares me more in our society, not terrorism, nothing scares me more than the company that has the most amount of data in the history of data is creating an artificial intelligence. 
There is no more frightening news you could hear today. There is no more greater foolishness that could be taking place within society. And it's happening right here in London, in our city. One of the biggest threats that we've known. And it's all happening because of one thing has taken place. And it's not, again, a new scenario. It is an ancient, ancient scenario. We go back now to the oldest story there is in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. So we're in the garden now of Eden. Yeah. My baby's name. Dropping that in. Gotta throw that out there. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to woman, did God actually say to you, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate and also gave some to her husband who ate who was with her and he also ate and the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig trees together and made themselves line cloths. I think we're at a place and a time where we literally are on the verge of reaching out for the same fruit that looks like it's going to make us wise, that looks like it's going to do something great, but all it does is it opens up their eyes to this whole new world and this whole new set of problems. And this was the moment that in bygone eras past was looked back to as the moment that disturbed the balance, destroyed the peace, and brought us into a place of seeking after a wisdom that Job talks about, a wisdom of our own understanding. And the scriptures say, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways and his thoughts are high above. I think the danger we face in society today is there's this new piece of hanging fruit and it looks great. And as a society, we're moving towards something so very destructive. But we take that on a huge scale. And today we're talking about an issue which could, could even, if we believe what science fiction has portrayed the end result, which actually brings out the ultimate underlying issue that all of us have. You see, when we look at sci-fi and whenever we talk about it and we talk about the issues, he's talking about solving climate change. Well, what happens when the superintelligence says, Climate change gets solved when the human species ceases to pollute the earth and ceases to exist. What happens when the superintelligence says, well, the endangered species are being hunted by men? What happens if the superintelligence works out that a lot of the diseases are man-made from different things that we've done down the years and we're the root of it? What happens when it decides that the murder and crime rates are all solved by men? What happens when the superintelligence does the very thing the scriptures have done from the very beginning, which is point the finger and say that you are who you are and that you are not perfect and that you are corrupt and that you at your very nature are out of balance with how things are supposed to be. But the different message between a superintelligence coming to that conclusion and God, who's already told us that conclusion is, is that God is love and for God so loved 
the world. He gave his only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That God saw the crisis and the problem and the situation and instead of distancing himself and leaving us to kill each other and to die within our situation, he gave his own life that we could have a newness, that the balance could be restored to us as individuals on an individual personal level but on a collective level as a group, as ecclesia, as church, as he calls us out to be and we all have our part to play and that brings me to a new page on the City Hill website that if you go on there later today if you got the email earlier that was sent out earlier in the week called Collaborate there are opportunities to serve to actively be a part of Ecclesia as Christians it's important for us to live as part of the kingdom of God individually bearing the correct fruit but collectively working together which is what he's called us out for a purpose to do and the very nature of the society we live in is people have taken a shift, they've just come to the wrong conclusions. They've taken a shift of trusting in themselves and now we're looking outside of ourselves to solve things. More and more we're becoming more and more dependent on technology, which isn't a bad thing. I love technology, but we're leading ourselves to solve the age-old problems and actually the age-old problem is us. And until we come and step forward into God's light and allow Him to bring the restoration and the healing that I need, that you need, and that collectively we need, we will continue to be the one that a super intelligence would say is at fault. I'm going to pray for us today, and then that will be kind of it for our first part of the series. Father God, we come before you this morning knowing, knowing, not with any other doubt, that from the portrayal of who you say we are and who you are, you say that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You say the wages of sin is death, and we live in a world full of death and of suffering. And it has caused us as a society to put the question mark over you when the question mark needs to be over us. And we are looking to hand over the greatest question there is to a superintelligence which will not be able to comprehend love because love cannot be measured by science. But you are outside of it and you are outside of it all because God is love and you have displayed your love to us in Jesus. And you've modeled it in flesh and blood of how we are to live and how we are to restore the balance of society. Lord Jesus, would you come and be with us this morning? Holy Spirit, would you meet with each one of us, knowing our inadequacy, knowing our individual sins, knowing our heartache, our pain, our suffering, know our inability to cope with the hurts and the pains that have been done to us and that we do to ourselves, that you may bring restoration and healing by the power of your Holy Spirit in this place right now. Lord Jesus, would you transform us and conform us into the image of your Son, that we may transcend the issues and challenges that we face. In Jesus' name, amen. So ultimately we're talking about technology, but ultimately we're not. We're talking about ourselves in all of this. And so as we explore through this series, we're going to look at different angles. But ultimately, everything comes back to that moment of the finger pointing and the buck stopping with you and I. And we are in a dangerous place as a society, but ultimately... God is in control. And hopefully, just like in Job, he will vanquish those who think they have wisdom. And hopefully, DeepMind won't get too successful. <laughs> and hopefully, Age of Ultron will stay a film. And we won't be relying on John Connor anytime soon. May you be blessed this week, and may you experience his grace and his mercy.